Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Justin's not here today. He writes the intros. Welcome to the show. It's about Gosa. Can you tell we're salty? Have a drink? Have a drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany D. Walker. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. <laughs> All right. Short adjusting. Casey, what have you been up to? Oh, I have been up to making yeast starters. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure that the liquor barn in Lexington is done with having beer ingredients. Oh. So in the heat of summer, either you have to ship your yeast to you and it dies halfway, hey. um, or you have no other choice, really. Mm. So whenever I get my yeast shipped, I have it sent with uh, ice packs in a insulated in an insulated container. Doesn't matter. It's still always 80 degrees by the time it gets here, so it's it's always half dead. So you have to prop it up. And so I'm propping up some uh, Mexican lager yeast right now. All right. And running that through some various um, step-up procedures. Nice. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and uh, we were drinking a little bit of something else you've been uh, cooking up yes. during the news episode. Yep, have uh, basically made us some uh, New England style IPA, and it's got all the hops. So <laughs> yeah, the little ambitious on your yeah, hopping there. I think I went with all the hops that were good to put in beer, and <laughs> when you put in a lot of them, it comes up with some odd flavors. This one's got <laughs> sort of like this this extreme. Lemony citrusy that almost goes into almost a kind of a, a, an artificial realm, which is weird. Um, I think it could be a lot better if I did back off on those and, and <laughs> like you were saying, do one or two hot focus it. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no, it hit all. It hit all the notes. It had the mouthfeel. It has the look. Your haze hangs. Yeah. It's exactly as it should be. Just a little awkward in your. In yeah, the hops. That, um, the haze comes from the yeast strain, and it's a triple yeast blend from White Labs. It's from the Vault Series, and so they ship it only at certain times of the year. You've got to order it, and they uh, ship it special. So hmm. you got to like have 150 people that order it before they'll ship it. Gotcha. Yep. They're not going to whip up a batch if it's nah. not a big order. Yep. You either have to be a large brewery that's wanting to do at least a seven-barrel batch or have 150 people that get together home brewing-wise. Woo! Wow. Wow. All right, well... Um, Aside from being in Casey's place of residence, we haven't really been up to anything else. Yeah, uh, we are back here, and... Yeah, not really. Uh, finally went to Brink. Oh, yeah, that's oh, that's yeah. an update. Uh, those of you that follow on Untapped may have seen... Uh, we finally made it out to Brink, and holy crap, everything that's going on there is amazing. That place is super small. You wouldn't believe how small it is. And they are winning the awards, and... 
they don't seem to really care that they're that small. Mm. Uh, I don't see that, like, they're not going to start packaging anytime soon, doing some crowlers out of there, but small batch stuff that's all delicious. Yeah, I didn't get to try the beer, obviously, uh, but I was not a fan of the space because it was the acoustics were... Oh, my my ears were ringing when mm. we left. Like, it it was such a small space and so loud. It didn't so help. I was just... Didn't help there was a busload of woo girls. Yeah, from the, the brew bus tour. So I I, I think that the atmosphere could be better, mm. but um, uh, our group was raving about the beers. So at least they've got that. You didn't get to try the one thing that everybody was raving over. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm just standing there being hot and being like, all right, this is loud. <laughs> Actually, they had a number of things. They did have one of their award winners on, which was the... Uh, um, oh, can't remember the name of it. It was the Mild... Either way, just the coffee and roasted notes that were I pouring off of it. What I could smell oh, it. it was amazing. You had to have tasted it. It was like when you were tasting it, there was you're just going, There's no way this is not some kind of big coffee stout. Like I do mm. not understand how this is like an English mild. Like what that is crazy. Yeah, you guys were saying it, it kind of almost had a cold brew coffee element. Yeah. It. it was like cold brew had been added to it. it was, oh, so good. So good. <laughs> Delicious. I did see something on the menu that I really want to try when I can try it, uh, which their menu was fun. It's all in Scrabble tiles. Oh. Um, yeah. And I'm like, you just don't see that. that Obviously, like, huge yeah. ones, but still. Oh, okay, okay. Because um, I was thinking, like, man, how many Scrabble games do you have to go for? <laughs> and yeah. then if you have the letter Z in any of your your beers, you, you're only doing one of those styles. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> so. they, had a, they had a lime one, and I guess it was just an ale because i didn't see exactly what the style was but uh the name of it was lime sherbert <laughs> sherbert <laughs> and i was like oh, oh bert and ernie and then i was like oh and yeah sherbert <laughs> so i, I i'm that. intrigued by that because i'm a big lime fan i want a sherbert now oh there's never a point when i yeah <laughs> I just sherbert always. sherbert place around here mm. just sherbert just sure. That's, yeah. very specific. that's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> so you get rainbow and lime and orange, you know. No, you just need rainbow. That's where it ends. Oh, that's true. Okay. Pineapple. Oh. <laughs> no. Let's, okay. Let's, we could easily, we just need to pick like a once a month and just do a have a food episode. Yep. <laughs> That'll be a Patreon goal. Uh, okay. So we do have a couple of announcements. Um, now, obviously, because uh, if you're watching the stream or anything, you tell that we're uh, doing things a little bit early <laughs> this this weekend. Uh, it's because of uh, timing of other things and us being in and everything. So we don't have a movie draft update just yet. Um, we do hope to share that next time. I, I think I did hear we won it all, though. Like that's, yeah, that's, yeah, we won everything. Clearly, everyone... The, right, Incredibles just stopped making money. Yep. Everyone <laughs> decided to go back and see Avengers again. And, and the pre-sale for Crazy Rich Asians has actually craziness. surpassed everything. So. Yeah, no one, no one could have predicted it. It so, was insane. I heard someone bought a theater just to play only Crazy Rich Asians in there. It's not a bad idea. You're a very rich person from the <laughs> South Asian Sea. <laughs> Google it. You can't. Uh, so our next episode is going to be Saturday, July 28th, live on Twitch at 9 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be covering Rogue Ales and Spirits. Ooh. Uh, so that one will be an interesting one, uh, and a, uh, a slightly controversial one. Oh, I can go! I can go get a bomber of double chocolate for that. Oh, I'll be or the trash hazelutly chocktabulous. Oh. Uh, you can't get bombers that right now. Seasonal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, also, we want to remind everybody about our Patreon. So, uh, if you enjoy the show, uh, consider sending just a dollar a month our way. Uh, it makes a big difference to us. Uh, if you'd like to get in on some extras, like. 
the quarterly virtual hangouts. Don't need to plan the next one. <laughs> and access to the bar channel in our Discord. Uh, you can give $5 per month. Uh, so, you know, not even a huge a huge issue still. Uh, of course, you want to give more than that. That's totally fine, too. So you can head over to patreon.com slash have a drink show. Yeah, and uh, you get access to all the patron-only episodes, which are tasting right. episodes. You can find out uh, what we thought about this past year's Sam Adams Utopias. Mm. And we <laughs> did, uh, most recently, we just did the Flying Dog Pepper Pack. Pepper Pack. Pepper Pack. Uh, Bloody Mary beer, which was awesome. Pick a pack of pepper beers. <laughs> Picked a pack of pickled pepper beers. Mm. We'll get to the pickle ones here in a bit. But yeah, we've done a bunch of fun things. Deconstruct a bomb. I can't even remember all the episodes we've got in there. And we've got a bunch we've already recorded that are waiting to be released. Yeah. You know, I still remember how Utopias tastes. Isn't that weird? Like, <laughs> out of all the things to, like, I was like, oh, I remember this taste. I mean, Just do you remember, remember, you remember port wine? Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. Nice rich port. And with that goat cheese, too. Okay. <laughs> I live at home. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we do have uh, one news story to get to today. Yeah. All right. We've got uh, Avery has decided to restructure. 4% of workforce is going to be impacted. Uh, that is their statement. So as Colorado headquarter Avery Brewing prepares to celebrate its 25th anniversary next month, uh, internally, the company has restructured its sales team. Really where you see it's a lot of this. Sales. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you never see it on like people coming from brewing or canning no. lines, or they gotta have it to make the product yeah, exactly. Uh, but they've also added several new departments. Uh, like this article is from Brewbound, and speaking to Brewbound, Brew Avery National Sales and Marketing Director uh, Brian Kruger uh, says he's known as BK. <laughs> he said uh, less than ten percent of the company's sales and marketing workforce was impacted. And the net job loss totaled two field sales positions. That's not really... (laughs) Two people lost their jobs, according to this. He admitted that the impact employees were offered severance packages. Uh, Those people who were in street-level jobs and weren't able to move into area manager or regional jobs were the ones that were restructured. Uh, It's absolutely the last step in making decisions, but we realize we may be shorting ourselves in other areas and other opportunities if we continue on with this model of sales staffing and structure that did work four or five years ago that just isn't effective in the modern craft environment. Hmm. Hmm. Especially when you tell the uh, major interest group that's looking out for you to F off. As part of the restructuring, the company has moved from five field sales managers to four regional managers. In doing so, the company increased the experience level of its sales team while also adding several new departments at its Boulder headquarters. Uh, In total, Avery added three new departments. That's entire new departments, including one focused on national accounts, uh, another tasked with managing supply chain, and third that will examine the company's sales and analytics and systems. Uh, Kruger added the company is not reducing its budgeted investment in employees. Didn't they go uh, company or like employee owned not that long ago? I don't remember Avery doing that. I don't think that. it was Avery. It was somebody though. Okay. Uh, we're just refocusing on things that we feel we have bigger opportunities on. Uh, Avery's previous structure relied on street level employees who were spread pretty thin across the country. And that's kind of the model everyone had copied from Boston Beer. Hmm. 
because that's Jim Cook. That's what he did. Like he's famous for taking that briefcase of Boston beer, bar to bar, door to door to sell it. And uh, everyone else from that time, including Avery, just kind of picked up on that model, and that's what they were doing. Yeah, I'm by no means an expert on any of this, but I'm not super sure what what the difference, how they would... If they only lost two people in this entire... How many streets were they covering, if this is the case? <laughs> is it like those employees no longer go to accounts, and they're instead talking just to the distributor? and offering training on the distributor level, saying, hey, you should sell more of our product, and then they're going to multiple distributors instead of going to... Instead of going to, to the 200 accounts they got, they go to the two distributors that sell to those 200 accounts. Is I, that the, the I idea? I assume Maybe. that's the way I understand it, is that you know these three new departments they made is all those employees that were doing that in sales have been folded into these three new departments, and in the end, they had two people who they couldn't make room for. Mm-hmm. So they gave them full severance packages. So uh, the or moves... Did, or didn't want to... I mean, maybe it was, oh, you, you live in Burbank, California, but we're going to need you to move to Washington, Portland. Washington. Yeah, and they may not have been able to make yeah. the arrangements to move. Mm. Uh, so uh, these current moves in the company, Kruger said, will make Avery a more healthy organization with benefits that will pay off long-term. Avery is currently looking to fill three of its four newly created regional manager positions... In uh, West, South, and Midwest, and but wait, Mid, so three West, Midwest, South, Northeast, yeah. Midwest, and Northeast. Okay, <laughs> so I'm guessing they couldn't convince anyone to move to these areas mm. yeah. to be those managers. Also, uh, according to listings posted on LinkedIn last Friday, the West regional manager will cover California with a Southern California focus, as well as uh, Nevada, Arizona, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Alaska, and Hawaii. See. That's a that's a large area you're covering. You're flying to Alaska and Hawaii out of that one job, yeah. just to sell there. That's a that's a really big investment to go to those states. Why wouldn't you just post someone out there? Like, I mean, you got to think at a thousand bucks a flight. How many flights does it take before you can pay a salary? True. Hmm. Uh, in the South, meanwhile, regional manager will oversee sales efforts in Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, and Tennessee. Uh, the Midwest and Northeast Territories include areas of the U.S. that uh, east of Missouri and north of Kentucky. So well, in other words, Kentucky not in any of these territories. Just as always, which is always We're infuriating. Always neutral, weird. You land. can't you can't watch the national feed of any newscast trying to get uh, weather for Kentucky yeah. because they all. Pivot. <laughs> they pivot all around Kentucky. No yeah. one ever covers Kentucky. No, actually, in all seriousness, Kentucky's not in this distribution map at all. No. Yeah. North of Kentucky, like we're the only ones left out. But we they distribute to us because I think what it is is and and this happens on the weather thing too. Actually, Kentucky is not really one state. <laughs> it's okay. Why, yeah. Because they'll divide. They'll show like Western Kentucky with. You know what Missouri and and the stuff over there, Northern Kentucky is always lumped in with Cincinnati, and um, it's shown in uh, the north, like bottom of the Northeast or the very far edge of the Midwest. Yeah. Western Kentucky is always lumped in with the Midwest, yep. and then East, Southern Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky is lumped in with the East. Love like it'll be like with West East Virginia, or Southeast. Virginia, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not really 
it's a weird positioning, but at the same time, like, yeah, it, it, as far as demographics are concerned, it's almost like not its own state. <laughs> so it looks like out of these states that were left out, you've got South North Carolina and Kentucky are, are not really focused in this list. Mm. Everybody else has a state. North Carolina might have the same problem as Kentucky now that I'm thinking about it. Because they could easily be lumped in with like Virginia mm-hmm. and like the, the upper part. Yeah. Uh, so Avery announced the restructuring, which Kruger began planning last year to employees last Thursday. <laughs> the company oh, also good. the company informed wholesalers on Friday. Uh, the restructuring comes about five months after former chief operating officer Dustin Lemoyne sure. uh, departed the company, and after cutbacks that resulted in the termination of six production employees oh. in April. Yeah, we I think we ran that story then. Uh, Avery marketing manager Joe Osborne said the changes are just business and not an indicator of any bad place that we're in. <laughs> really? <laughs> Pay no attention to the layoffs yeah, yeah. and the, the, the <laughs> yeah. production of force. I don't know. I mean, it sounds a little weird to me. Uh, like, here you go. This is why we've heard of them uh, in their, their makeup. San yeah. San Mal San Miguel, which acquired 30% stake in the brewery last November, did not force the changes. Uh, they've all that was from uh, Kruger. He also said the company has no plans to merge sales forces with Michigan-based Founders Brewing Company, which is also part of that, which yeah. also sold thirty percent stake to Mount in December twenty fourteen. But also, right on the heels of that sale, one of the reasons we speak kind of tongue in cheekly and uh, I'll say rudely with <laughs> about Avery is that they decided to you know really come out harshly about the Brewers Association and the current craft movement and all these things, and then immediately sold. And it's like, well, are you just mad now that you don't fit under their definition? Mm-hmm. It's like Founders doesn't fit under their definition, and Founders doesn't say anything harsh about them, or they're just like, hey, we don't qualify as craft anymore. So how many people are going to run out there and say KBS isn't a craft beer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Uh, they're saying these decisions were made just for Avery. As far as how we need to refocus into the core markets and the opportunities that we had at hand. Uh, Despite the changes, Avery is not pulling out of any markets or canceling agreements with any distributors. Last year, sales of Avery beer increased 2% to more than 63,250 barrels, according to data from the Brewers Association, where they might not be a part of it anymore, but they're still well, keeping tabs. Track all that stuff, yeah. They could be a part of the Brewers Association without being a craft brewer, an independent craft brewer. Okay. They just don't meet the definition for that. Yep. So, yeah, um, I am liking from the news stories we've covered uh, from the news show and in today, a lot of companies showing sales up, whereas the trend before this had been a lot of people were showing with uh, competition from the increased growth has led to a downward trend, but it seems everyone's showing a slight little uptick right now. Mm-hmm. It's just not in flagships. Yeah. that's. Okay. I think you brought that up. Regional level is where we're seeing this increased competition, and it's really hard to push and grow and keep going. People want to see what's new, what's fresh, and what's different. And it's hard to do that when your entire supply chain is built on eight different beers. Yeah, yeah that's. I was I, the whole time I was just thinking, like, what have I had from Avery that I really want to go back to? And it's literally a single beer. Yeah. It was that, um, that Raja, that pineapple IPA. Yeah. And, uh, well, it tasted like pineapple, 
but <laughs> I liked that one a lot. Whereas I'm do not I'm not a fan of the White Rascal. Um, some of their like heavier stuff that they did with like the what the pumpkin stuff, all that that craziness. Yep. I I could I, it's it was a little weird. It was a little it was almost too strong. It was hit or miss. <laughs> so I yeah. They're not doing a lot of adventurous things, which is what we have been saying about a lot of folks lately. So, oh, yeah. Um, all right. Cool. Well, we do have uh, one untapped badge to talk about. <laughs> Get riggedy, riggedy, wrecks up! All right. So um, this one is from Lagunitas. Um, this is it's a cute little badge. Cheers. I'm going to guess it's something dank and weed punny. <laughs> yes, yes. Not like you would think. Uh, it is Cherry Lane Sour Ale. Cherry Jane. Cherry Jane. Why did I say Lane? I don't know. Uh, I'm not even here. Um, so Lagunitas brand spanking new Sweet Tart Ale is here and packed full of Turkish Delight cherry juice. Oh. Didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. Like that's a, I guess that's a type of cherry. I want some of those cherries. Yeah, I just <laughs> want to try it now. Uh, over 60 pounds per barrel, to be exact, <laughs> fermented <laughs> with their house yeast and finished with some funky lactobacillus and bretonomyces. Yep. Uh, Cherry Jane has a puckered up punch for your... Im- what? Imbibing indulgence. Imbibing. I don't know what that word is. Uh, okay, so... Um, Drinking. Oh, okay. Uh, so, you just have to grab one of these beers and check in between July 23rd. So, this, you know, as of this probably being posted to August 23rd. So this one's good. You actually get a month out of it and you'll get the badge. Um, I'm intrigued about these cherries, <laughs> like or this cherry juice. I don't, I don't know what this is. Hmm. Yeah. But so not weed for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big surprise from Lagunitas. Yeah. All right. And uh, we do have a nice salty topic. Been up that truck. Seeking bastards. Been up that truck. Been up that truck. Been up that truck. Seeing a lot of cherry Turkish delight recipes, but not any Turkish delight cherries. Genuine Turkish product. Hmm. Well, yeah, uh, topic, yeah, we are talking about ghosts today. Mm. We want to throw out a big thank you to Emily Monaco over at Eater.com. Wrote this article that we're going to be pulling pretty much exclusively from about ghosts in Germany. Because we're we're really heavily on the history on the show, so I think that's where we're going to really go. historically, even though we couldn't get a hold of any good uh, historical brands or anything like that. And mainly when you get them imported, they just lose everything. So, all right. Uh, One may never find a beer more intrinsically linked to the history of its hometown than Leipzig Gossa. This spontaneously top-fermented German wheat beer is an uncommon brew. Uh, Soured via lactic fermentation and flavored with coriander and salt. Uh, Gosa was a staple drink in much of Lower Saxony, for centuries that is, until the beer became extinct in 1966 after a long, drawn-out demise. Uh, it's only now, 30, 30 years after German reunification, that two small brewers in the East have decided to do something about it. Hobby brewer turned professional... Oh, God, it begins. Tilo Yankin? T- Tilo Tilo, yeah, Jenschen? Jenschen? Oh, yeah, see uh, And Bavarian brewer Andreas Schneider, who in the 1990s uh, converted Leipzig's... Oh, God. 
first paragraph. Buyer sure. Buyer sure. <laughs> I knew it was going to be an issue this episode. Uh, Bahnhof train station into the Bayershire Bahnhof Brewery. You know, and train stations to breweries. Yeah. I mean, we just saw National Guard station to brewery, oh, so... Uh, both major players in Gosa's revival today. Gosa was first produced in Gulsar, a small town in Lower Saxony, and home to the Gosa River, which oh. is what I've always heard is Gosa's are traditionally from along the banks of the Gosa River. Uh, in the year 1000. <laughs> it's an old beer. Good minute ago. Wow. However, the beer's popularity didn't take off until 1738 when Gulsa... <laughs> yeah, weird. stride, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when Goslar's small town brewers found a larger market for the beer in the nearby cities of Leipzig and Halle, uh, soon Goslar production couldn't quench the thirst of Leipzig or Leipzigers. The Leipziger Gosa was born. Its popularity exploded with over eighty Goshenecks or Gosa t- Jesus <laughs> or Gosa taverns operating in Leipzig by the eighteen hundreds. Uh, Leipzig was called the Gosa City. Uh, Gosa was a staple drink in much of Lower Saxony for centuries, that is, until the beer became extinct in 1966. Uh, in 1824, Johann Gottlieb, yeah, we're just, we're going to go with that. Uh, Gottlieb. Gottlieb uh, began brewing Gosa at a manor house, or a Rittergut, the German word for manor house. And nearby Dolnitz, uh, the small town on the outskirts of Leipzig, soon became Gosa's brewing epicenter. In uh, Dolnitz, there were three Gosa breweries in the village with only 2,000 inhabitants. Type of town you like to live in. Yeah, that's where I want to be. Sounds so German. Uh, In 1999, uh, teamed up with the son of the last owner of Dolnitz Manor, uh, Adolf Godnick in order to restore the family name to the once famous beer. Uh, to choose the Goldenicks was yeah, to choose the Goldenicks was no accident. During the eighteen hundreds, their beer was the market leader, supplying many taverns in both Leipzig and Halle. The brew's popularity was so great that new taverns had to join a waiting list before being able to serve the beer. And even established pubs only got an allocated amount with each delivery. Interestingly, uh, as Shishmak explains, <laughs> we need to have a disclaimer at the top of every episode. Do not speak. We do speak, not speak these other languages. Do not speak German. We are very American. French. We apologize. I think it's probably Shimshak. Shimshak. <laughs> it not. I mean, it not. Not kidding. I think it really is Shimshak. You might be right. Uh, Gosa was not fermented at the brewery as most beers are today, but rather open fermented at taverns themselves in glass bottles with a large bulb at the bottom. Oh wow! And a okay, yeah, and a long neck at the top made expressly for this purpose. These bottles look awesome. You Mm -hmm. guys have to look them up. Like Google uh, Gosa bottle, I think. Yeah. There's an awesome one uh, we we found on the Wikipedia page. They are really neat, and those are something like I could see a lot of people getting into collecting those. Mm, yeah, because it's really honestly, it's reminiscent of the like Sam Adams Utopius bottle a little bit, a bit. That'd be fun. Like once it's done with the Gosa part, obviously, that would be a really good candle bottle. You know, you just oh, have the candle yeah. with the wax coming down. Oh, Let yeah. it drip down on it. Yep. And the fact that they f- they just fermented it opened from the <laughs> bottle. 
Yep. There that was is... actually no cork in the bottle itself. Um, there were no like outside cork. Wow. And I think that's one of the really cool parts about it. Wow. Uh, yeah, they're saying it was a sort of yeast cork that would keep the beer inside until it was removed. Uh, it was relatively unsafe, of course. If you shook the bottle too much, sometimes the little cork jumped out <laughs> and the beer was everywhere. Fair enough, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, by the 19th century, uh, Godeca was producing about a million bottles of Gosa a year, while uh, quite a feat for a local uh, beer. This amount this amounted to less than half of what the smallest Munich breweries were putting out. It seemed that no matter how popular Gosa was amongst Leipzigers, it remained a more regional speciality. Uh, at the onset of World War II, the production of Gosa, as with other German beers, ceased. Mm. Uh, known producers began shutting their doors, and in 1945, the East German government closed uh, the Reitergutst, was it the Reitergutst Dollens Brewery. But when other breweries reopened after the war, Gosa production facilities remained under lock and key. And another type of beer had begun taking its place in the hearts of East Germans. Ich bin ein Leipziger. (laughs) (laughs) Back in the late 19th century, uh, Bohemians and Bavarians discovered the wonders of bottle-fermented beers. Bottom-fermented. Oh, bottom-fermented. My my bad, I was still thinking (laughs) bottle-fermented. Bottom-fermented beers. A new method of fermentation where strains of yeast uh, that settled on the bottoms of fermenters and thrived in cooler temperatures, made year-round production and storage of beers a reality. Now, now what could these have been? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loggers, uh, like Pilsner, which the the most popular beer style in the world, which could be stored and transported much more easily. They started to take the place of local top-fermenting wheat beers, including Gosa. All these old beers died out. And when German when Germany began producing beer again after the war, bottom fermented brews were favored over the top fermented regional specialties of the past, and we're still kind of seeing a resurgence from this period mm-hmm. where lagers have dominated everything for so long, and it's maybe been the last what decade that we've really started to see something else. A lot of these <laughs> other styles blossom back into what they used to be. Yeah, you saw it a little bit in the uh, first. The 80s, um, the first craft beer boom, but more recently, you've been going back into historical styles and pulling those out. Which are super awesome, and they're usually going to be on the tartar, sweeter side of things. Because yeast wasn't as clean as it it is now. But it's, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I find it refreshing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, So Gosa could have disappeared into oblivion, but the recipe survived. In 1949, a former... Reader Goods employee Frederick Friedrich uh, Vulr- oh, Jesus Christ Verzler Verzler yeah began brewing very small quantities of Gosa at a brewery in Leipzig based on his own handwritten notes <laughs> which he passed on to his stepson before his death despite the family's efforts Gosa's popularity had wa- waned too much in 1966 the brewery closed the last in a long line that had either shut or integrated a VEB, uh, a communist beer conglomerate, under East German nationalization. That's an episode we need to touch on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> the history of beer in, in communist countries. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall could have been Gosa's saving grace. It saw the abolition of VEB breweries and the rebuilding of East Germany. But two problems arose. The first was the neglect of Leipzig itself. 
East Germany's second city, which had been crumbling away for decades, continued to disintegrate as money was injected into East Berlin. Yeah, you want to get depressed? Go just go no. type in some history of Leipzig, and it, mm. it's not it's not fun times. Well, yeah. Uh, the second issue was uh, that with uh, unification, Munich's strict 16th century beer purity laws that forbade the use of any ingredient aside from barley, water, and hops suddenly applied to everyone. Gosa's staple ingredient, coriander, couldn't be included in a Germany-brewed beer. Sad face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could argue that salt, uh, because you're allowed to use ocean water for brewing beer, says the... Um, Shimshak. Sure, Shimshak. Uh, but the coriander is the reason for Goza not following the purity law. It wasn't until local pride began publishing or pushing Western products out of local industry that local beer started to flow back out of the woodwork. First, nice name, Lothar... Goldhahn uh, <laughs> discovered one of the old uh, Gosenschenkes, whatever, in 1986. He decided to restore and reopen the pub, which had fallen into disuse in 1943 after damage from a bombing raid on the city. Oh. Sure. Uh, he was determined to resurrect the beer style as well, bringing on a former employee of the Versler uh, brewery, brewery with some of the original recipe notes in his possession. Dr. Harmut Hennebach, uh, a former microbiologist who had lost his job during the communist period and had then worked at the pub as a bartender, joined the team as well, and together they began producing Gosa. Hmm. Mm. Microbiologist to bartender. Yeah, following your passion. Yeah. Um, at this point in Leipzig's history, many native Leipzigers had uh, never tasted the specialty <coughs> brew. Some were um, put off by its funky aroma and the sour lactis, lactic acid tang. Uh, and they would ask if it was even drinkable. <laughs> hmm. um, and, of course, the bartender would say, you know, without a doubt, yeah. <laughs> the name of the pub was born from that Uh and uh, with with it, a renewed interest in the beer. According to Shimshak, <laughs> the team also coined the word Gosana, a, a cheers to be said only with Gosa. Huh. We should totally Gosana, Chris. Adopt Gosana. <laughs> Gosana. <laughs> uh, officially, um, to say the brewery tours that the students 200 years ago said this word when they drank Gosa in Leipzig, but that's actually not true. No. It was invented in the 80s as a joke. <laughs> but uh, a joke or a marketing ploy, the words starting to uh, started to revive local interest in the beer, though not enough uh, for any local breweries to want to brew it. <laughs> so that, that's depressing. Um, so the Gosen Shanka team outsourced to a few different breweries before settling on the Bavarian Andreas Schneider Brewery in 1995. Although the beer still didn't follow the purity laws, it intrigued Schneider, who decided to convert the derelict former Bavarian train station in Leipzig into a Gosa brewery in 2000. A lot of train station conversions. Yeah. Uh, today, Shimshak brews Gosa for Schneider's brewery right in Leipzig city center based on a traditional local recipe. Uh, of course, it says that they uh, adapted a little bit because you can't brew a gosa today that tastes like a gosa 50 years ago. That's fair. Mm -hmm. 
you don't have the same water quality, the same malts, uh, you know, etc. Um, but once they found the magic formula, they stuck with it. As a small brewer, uh, they said it has a good deal of freedom to play with many of the beer recipes. But the Gosa is a mainstay. A basic wheat beer with half Pilsner malt and half wheat malt, plus the coriander salt and lactic acid added at the wort step. Uh, when he can, Shimshak produces the lactic acid on site by soaking malt with natural, uh, naturally present lactic acid bacteria in a water and sugar solution until it reaches the correct pH That's mm. good. before adding it to the fresh Gosa brew. Now, uh, modern convenience comes into play, of course, uh, because the beer is no longer open fermented as it was through the beginning of the 20th century. The beer has to be boiled to kill off any residual bacteria. Uh, it says that uh, we brew a lot of the other beers without any lactic fermentation, so it would be too dangerous to have these <laughs> lactic bacteria in the fermentation tank. Yeah. Fear of yeah. contamination. <laughs> uh, That's this... why everybody in like stateside, all the brewers who are just starting to dabble with these kinds of things, are building separate facilities to yep. do such. You're going to have to, almost. Um, this isn't the only modern modification that has been made to the classic beer. With uh, while the Bayerischer Bayerischer Benoff Brewery has brought back the traditional wide bottle with a long, narrow neck, oh. formerly used by pubs to ferment the beer. They've replaced the yeast cork with a swing top, meaning that the beer can be shipped and exported, thus increasing interest abroad. Hmm. That makes a lot more sense. I'm going to have to root around and see where yeah, I can find, find bottles, some yeah. of those. <laughs> Traditional, yeah. While Schneider was building his pub in 1999, Yannickum was finishing an accounting degree and was an avid, avid hobby brewer. He became particularly interested in this four more local specialty and having tasted a version brewed in Berlin at the Ona uh, Bedeken Gosen Shanka, he decided that to see what he could do to revive it. It was then that he partnered with Go Godek. Godek? Godek sounds right. Godek. Their brewery complete with the original Ritter Guts recipe and name took off. I was crazy, he said, laughing. I had too much time. Today it's different. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Starting a brewery can do that. In order to boost interest in the flourishing industries, Godek had the idea of start to start a Gosa biking tour. A Gosa Vanderweg uh, yeah. that okay. is still popular today, consisting of three tours and of different pubs in and around Leipzig and Halle. Users can bike to different pubs and sample Gosa along the way. It's combining beer with the outdoors, Yannickin says, referencing the German penchant for being in nature. We come from the woods. While Yannickin concedes that Pilsner remains the most popular beer today, even in Leipzig, he's proud of how much Gosa has developed in just a few short years. When we started in 1999, there was only one pub with Gosa, the Gosenschanke. And now we have over 120 in and around Leipzig. It's a big change from what most Germans are used to seeing. Most pubs have beer from one brewery or group. Everywhere, the same combination. This Pilsner, this Schwarzbier, this Weissen, he said, not so nice. 
I can hear a German say, not so nice. Nicht so nice. More Russian I think that. both of us went Russian. Russian yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in Germany, the true mark of a ghost remains Leipzig, however. But abroad, it's peaking some interest. Today, Janneken sells over 30% of his beer in 10 different countries, including the USA. So we might be able to get some. Scandinavian countries, Brittany, and Japan. <laughs> and this international interest means that some breweries are trying out their own recipe. Their formal local specialty is being brewed abroad. There are over 400 makers of Gosa, most of whom are in the U.S., says Yannicka, including August Shell from Minnesota, mm. Almanac Beer Company, Golden Gates Gosa, and even a Hibiscus Gosa from Boulevard Brewing Company in Kansas City. It's the wave after IPA, he believes. And it was. This article was written in 2015, so we're kind of able to look back and see exactly what's going on. Oh, yeah. There was a mass of Mm -hmm. ghosts that came out, national and local. Mm -hmm. And now, like, a lot of what we could find are ones that were formulated during that period. Yep. And I think that's the key. It's not crazy like IPA went, but it's definitely a a wave. IPA is is still crashing over. It's the tidal wave. These are little little crests that come (laughs) over top of that. Um, there was an article in the paper a few months ago, as of 2015, uh, with the headline "Craft Beer is Dead." Gosa killed it. That being said, Gosa that that title gets reused a lot. That, yeah, that's, a, that's not kind of a, a hurtful title. Because what was it last year? We had the uh, "Craft Beer is Dead." Literally, it was the title was "Craft Beer is Dead," and uh, big sweet stouts, big dessert stouts killed it. Yeah, like I think they're just reusing. Is it the same? I'm gonna have to look and see if it's the same guy that's just writing these articles. Probably, it's gotta be. It's all clickbait. Didn't they do the same thing for like the milkshake kind of? Yep. Uh, drink yeah, soup? they're yeah. saying all oh, the New England's dead, and milkshake IPA killed it. Yeah. So it's not the traditional version that you see brewed in the United States. Ghost in America is a more sour kind of beer. American tends to take a beer style and they they go all the way to the extreme, and I yeah. think that's definitely <laughs> yeah. definitely the case. Um, in Leipzig, the modern version of the style is settled into a very distinct flavor profile, kind of green apple aroma, a ripe plum, plum fruit, bleh, a ripe plum fruitiness, an herbal coriander finish, and a refreshing hit of salt that makes it very Moorish and easy to drink. Mm. It's not so strong as compared with the Berliner Weiss or any of the specialty Belgian beers, says Imshak. It's a relatively modern, modern, sorry, relatively medium sourness, and it has a little bit of a fruity flavor. Goes very well together with the coriander, which produces citrus flavors in the beer. It's a very nice combination. Hmm. But this sojourn abroad has had another strange side effect on Gosa. Recently, the beer has also begun to be brewed in its home, true hometown of Gosalar, riding on the coattails of its Leipzig re- Renaissance. They stopped brewing Gosa in 1869 and started only around 10 years ago, probably about this point, about 10 to 15 years ago, yeah. uh, says Yannickan. It was a long time. The beer brewed in Gosalar today has even more distinct flavor profile than the bows brewed in the U.S. Gosa in Gosalar is not sour and no real coriander flavor to it. Um, while Gosalar brewers claim that uh, they do use the herb, Brewer Shimshak is of the same opinion. It tastes completely different. It's not sour usually. It's as if they use spices for the and if they use spices for the beer, you don't really taste them. Hmm. They tell people they use coriander and salt, but you don't really taste it. Today, the style continues to grow and develop, even though it still doesn't pass the Munich purity laws. Perhaps it's because brewers have finally found a loophole that they can get behind. The beer type is older than the laws. Shimshek laughs. Indeed, the 1,015-year-old beer outdates the 1516 law. It seems as good of a reason as any to let the local classical style come back into the public eye. 
you know, I think that's a pretty good reason. If uh, the beer style predates yeah. the yeah. Reinheitsgebot, uh, it's kind of hard. Your argument is invalid. You get a pass. <laughs> yeah. It's twice as old as the Reinheitsgebot. <laughs> that is incredible yeah. that it's that old. Mm. I'd, I don't know why I didn't consider that, but I'm, it's... And and it's also, I feel it should have been obvious to me that what we drink uh, from an American craft side isn't really much like a traditional gosa. It's yeah. kind of, well, it's more, it's the evolution of the style, I think. What, these watermelon flavors aren't, aren't <laughs> traditional. <Right>. Really? The, <laughs> they weren't mixing watermelons with their gosas back in... Um, I... One, I'm intrigued by the Boulevard one since it's saying it's more of a classic mm-hmm. style. Um, I, because I, I, it was hard as you said, beginningless. Uh, it's hard to find a lot of ghosts that are nationally available, and we're usually able to find Boulevard, so that shouldn't be too bad. Yeah, I didn't see um, any when I was digging around looking. So you know, it'd be easier to talk about what we could find <laughs> if we talk about uh. Oh. What we're drinking. Drink with me, friend. All right. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't find any Boulevard, but it was it was kind of frustrating when thinking, oh, there's a ton of ghosts out there locally. Lo- your local breweries do a ton of their interpretation of Gosa. Well, and it's that also, was it's very seasonal, right? Like, yes, but we are in the season for it. Hmm. So when I was going out looking, oh, there's this and there's this and there's this. And it was all local stuff. And we're trying to not talk local as much on what we're drinking. So I had to kind of, oh, crap, and start rooting around. So uh, the first one I was able to find, and I'm pretty sure everyone can find it, mm-hmm. absolutely everywhere in the U.S. Uh, so I'm drinking the Briny Melon Gosa from Anderson Valley Brewing Company. So uh, this bad boy is a Gosa coming in at 4.2% ABV. So all Gosas are going to be pretty low. Although I do have to say I have had, what was it? I think it was like a 9.5% Gosa before, but that it was aged in tequila barrels. Ooh. And it was called, it was uh, Guns and Gosas. It was one of the last <laughs> beers to come out of, uh, of Blank Slate mm. before they closed up. And uh, so, notes on the Briny Melangosa. We've got, uh, born from our passion for experimentation, our Briny Melangosa boasts a thirst-quenching tartness that is perfectly balanced by subtle watermelon flavors and aromas. Gentle additions of sea salt create a refreshing harmony between the acidity and fruity sweetness, leading to clean, dry finish. Yes. Uh, according to Beer Advocate, they're giving it a score of 3.93, which is very good. Yeah, very not, good. not bad at all. I, I really like it. Yeah, they're right. It is dry and nice, and on a hot day, it's pretty perfect. Yeah. Um, on my side, I am drinking the uh, the Green Zebra Gosa. Oh, yeah. Uh, Founders Brewing Company. Um, you know, Gosas in general, to me, taste like you mix Gatorade and light beer. And it's pretty much what it is. Like, it's the Gatorade of beer. It doesn't yeah. sound good at all, though. Yeah, like, and ghosts are good. <laughs> but if you're out in the hot day sweating, it's getting those salts back into yeah. you that you've yeah. been losing. Like, it's perfect. When people talk about, like, a, a workout beer, like a post-workout beer, a Gosa is perfect. Yeah, because it does have that saltiness. Although, it's probably just sea salt. It probably doesn't yeah. have, like, the potassium that Gatorade has in it and, yeah. and all of that. Brittany, what are you drinking today? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Water. You, you had you had uh, the gosa without the uh, without the, the salt. salt and without, without the, the alcohol. alcohol. Yeah. 
I'm, does uh, the um, oh, you got to shine last episode? Yeah. Does the sea quench? Uh, that's a gosa, isn't it? No, uh, they do not state it as a gosa. Really? Do they not? Okay. What is it called? Uh, just uh, ale. Oh, sorry. Sea quench okay. ale is all they. Okay. Because hmm. I, I didn't know if that was considered. I mean, that would be fairly national, I would think, but. It tastes very much like a gosa, but oh, yeah. dogfish does not market it as such. I guess maybe it doesn't have the coriander in it. Well, you know, we've tasted these beers, but are we going to do a, uh, a tasting yes, I believe this we episode? Have a special beer. Uh, oh, that's not it. <laughs> I was like, I don't I mean, recognize that, that too, one. I guess, you know, this is it. All right. Um, so we decided to whip out a little. This is a local one, we decided, but this one's actually getting some <laughs> national coverage from when it was first brewed last year. So this is going to be the Pickle, uh, Dill Pickle Gosa from Urban Artifact. This is brewed in collaboration with Izzy's Deli, yeah. which is... Uh, one of the very, best de- they're places famous, to eat in and Cincinnati. It's one of the things from Cincinnati that we can uh, brag go, about. That's where you go for a good Reuben. Mm, with a pickle and some getta. So the pickle gosa, Casey, you got a little a uh, little bit about the pickle gosa there. Here, I'll, I'll go over it since you guys are. I gotta contribute something. Um, <laughs> feels weird that I'm not producing. Uh, so they have a weird little descriptor guy here. It says uh, while humans have been pickling food for millennia, the American pickle is a cucumber. It says it's a perfect complement to a burger or a Reuben. This drink. I want a burger now. They oh yeah. They do encourage uh, to eat something with this beer. A, a lot of Urban Artifacts stuff uh, like this, it is amazing with food. And yeah. I've had a lot of people say, you do this beer with a cheeseburger and it will knock your socks off. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. So um, this ghost is brewed with a thousand pounds of cucumbers. You definitely smell <laughs> that in there. You smell like the cucumber rind. It just smells oh. like you opened a jar of pickles. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's exactly what this smells like. Uh, two pounds of fresh dill, nine pounds of sea salt, and 1.25 pounds of coriander. And this is per 30-barrel um, batch. So no garlic? These <laughs> kosher pickles? <laughs> uh, 4.3% ABV, pH of 3.3, important. And it uses lactobacillus and saccharomyces cerevisia. Oh, which is pretty much in everything Urban Artifact does. So, so this pH is actually a little bit higher than what you would normally get in a in a gosa that's an American style gosa. It's not super sour, um, but it's pickly. Oh, it's pickly. <laughs> all right, it's you're drinking pickle juice. That's what this tastes mm-hmm. just like. Oh I tried God. it last year, but we didn't. Again, last year we didn't have it with food either. So, mm. I seem to have always had this beer just. Plain Jane. You need like a hot dog or yeah, yeah. that oh, just some cookout food with this yeah. would. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> um, this one is a little bit more watered down to me than the the some of the other like the green zebra I had. The green zebra is very aggressive in the salt. Mm. It's great, very aggressive in the um, sour. This one is much more reserved. I like that though. I drink more of this than I would the green zebra any day. This isn't as salty as you would imagine, or as mm-hmm. when you think Gosa, you primarily think of the salt and the sour. I swear, this is pickle juice. You're turning <laughs> up a jar of pickles and just drinking the juice. With some alcohol. It's so refreshing. <laughs> and that's one of the things... Um, that's the thing. You need this at a grill out. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. You need to be at a, at a picnic somewhere. Hot day, burgers. burgers and hot dogs, and this beer would be a huge hit. If yeah. this year's wasn't so... I mean, they only sell it basically in four packs, right? 
Sixers. Uh, okay, good. So I was I was thinking it was like one of these excru- ex- super exclusive type. Huh. Okay. All around the area, up in northern Kentucky and all around Cincinnati. I think they shot a distro of this one up to another Dayton and northwest Ohio. Like, it's weird where they distribute this. So yeah. how many tons of cucumbers did this brewery have to purchase? Oh, yeah. Yeah, when it's <laughs> per batch, they dumped... A thousand pounds. A thousand pounds. Oh, my gosh. But that's <laughs> Urban Artifact is notorious for the amounts... Of fruit that they buy to dump into their beers. And what about all those those uh, cows that are getting chomped down on alcoholic <laughs> cucumbers after the fact? Oh, yeah. I want to eat some alcoholic cucumbers. <laughs> you are. Uh, but it's... <laughs> no, like, Urban Artifact is very notorious for this. It was uh, Love Letter, which is their peach Midwest fruit tart. That's really where they've made their names, the Midwest fruit tarts. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is an entire peach goes into each can of Love Letter. Because why not, you know? If you're going to pay $15 for a four-pack or I mean, whatever it is, yeah. You're you drinking your it going, mmm, that's pulpy. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, there's an entire peach in that can. Well, that's, the, that's the thing about this brewery. And, and it, you know, it does suck when we have to bring up, like, local, local stuff. But um, at the same time, this, <sighs> is, this brewery, at least, you can tell... It's not artificial flavoring. Mm-mm. They use real ingredients, and they use a ton of them. Like they know how to do fruit in beers. One of the things that I do uh, I did notice here, though, um, on their website they say it's a three point three pH. On the can, it's got a three point five eight. Oh, yeah. So it's a different pH on the can. Yeah, that, that may be from last year. Different or batch, probably. Yeah. Um, and I can tell. Yes, three point three is getting low. 3.58 is not too much lower than what a normal beer would be. Hmm. I mean, four would be a beer, I think. Somewhere around there, four is, is where a beer is. So, okay. um, It's interesting that they even include the pH. And it's like, yeah, I lo- like here's I, this. <laughs> I appreciate that because, I, I, you know, if Green Zebra tastes amazing, it's got that, you know, it's got the low pH that you would get in a Gatorade. Gatorades have that mm. low yeah. citrusy pH level. But at the same time, that is totally different than this right here. And if I'm selecting on a menu board, yeah, pH is about as important to me in, in sour beers as ABV. It's more pH to me is more important in a sour beer than ABV is, and it's about as important as IBU is in a sour beer. Well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Overall, um, my entire opinion on pickles has been changing recently. <laughs> Good. I have been becoming more of a fan. And this beer, every time I have it, I like it more and more. Yeah. And it is extreme pickle. So I do have to say, um, so if you're fans of TMS and Frog Pants, um, Brian had to bring up after doing a, a huge bike race that at stations they offer uh, pickle juice. Yes. Because it's getting electrolytes and all that stuff back into you. And this is like, I, I would say, no, you could just drink some of this. Yeah. It's perfect. You know, as you're running. You, you yeah, just grab you a can of pickle gosa. Just yeah, grab your pickle gosa and go with it. I I like it. I think it's great. There's a lot of people. It's hilarious to go to Untapped and check out the reviews for this. A lot of people are like one star. I hate pickles. This beer is terrible. Why are you it and it's like, why did you drink it? It says pickles. Like, what did you think it was gonna be? It's like, guess what? I stay away from raspberry beer because I don't like raspberries. There's a giant. I know I'm not gonna like the beer. <laughs> There's a giant pickle on the can. It's gonna taste like pickles. Don't no. It you rate it by what it was trying to be, not by what you think of it. Yep. I just realized it's got like a pickle jar on the arm too. Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Okay. How sweet. But yeah, this is also, again, uh, pickle. Instead of saying recycle, it just says pickle and has the recycle symbol on it. That's pretty great. Pickle the pickle. So yeah, um, they did it with Izzy's Deli. Uh, they are oh. famous, infamous. I don't know how to their, say their Izzy's. pickles are what is uh, The Izzy's Deli was uh, featured on The Simpsons in like season one. That's really? how, yes. Um, oh, the potato pancakes. I, I'm like, oh, that's not it. That's not the right website. That's not the one? Yeah. No. There you go. Probably World's Greatest <laughs> Rubens. Oh, yeah. I've seen this. Yeah. that That's the place, like, if you come to Oktoberfest in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. you get Izzy's. And those you can buy a whole jar of those pickles. At oh, they Kroger. sell their pickles at all the local grocery stores. Yeah. It says order online. but You can then, order online, yeah. But then it says you got to you gotta. Uh, you need to make up. an account. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah, they don't deliver. Yeah, they were on Man vs. Food and all that. All right, we are just gushing about local stuff now. <laughs> uh, if you guys get the chance, come to Cincinnati in the next, uh, it'll probably be the next few weeks that these are still around. And you can pick yourself up a six-pack of Urban Artifacts Dill Pickle Gosa. I was hoping they had it on their menu uh, under the drink section. Right? Says, <laughs> they they do Gosa. serve beer there, so they may actually have I it. I guarantee you they serve yeah. it there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can visit us at haveadrinkshow.com for useful links and info about us. Also, look for Have a Drink Show on social media and twitch.tv. You can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. Use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website, sandwich boards. You know, you can rent out a billboard and put it out there. We'll find it. And also, guys, uh, all joking and fun aside, want to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Yes. So, you can check us out next Saturday at the normal time for our next live episode. And remember, of course, to check out patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. We shall see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Justin will be back. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>